TKM Incorporated in Moss, Tennessee is a construction company that specializes in erosion control, seeding, and soil, hydro seeding, hydro mulch, minor excavation, and silt fence. They also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their business is keeping people safe, but their passion, their mission, is they wish that all men could be saved. TKM has adopted the nickname, The King's Men, because as they serve you, they also serve the King. If they could provide any of their services for you, please contact them at 931-243-3958. That is 931-243-3958. Or you can contact them on the net at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. TKM Incorporated is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. SJL General Contractor is a full construction company that primarily focuses on civil construction and asphalt sales in the Huntsville and Fayetteville regions. Services they provide include but are not limited to road construction, asphalt material, underground utilities, site work, and demolition. They employ heavy equipment operators, concrete finishers, pipe layers, and CDL dump truck drivers. If you would like for this company to work for you on your project, or if you'd like to work for them as an employee of this family-owned business, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660. Or three W's and a dot sjnl.com. That's www.sjnl.com. SJNL General Contractor is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. My grandson was telling me about his kindergarten project. Now, I don't really care what my grandchildren tell me. I try to listen to them. The greatest gift you can give a child is your attention and your time. And so if it's the ridiculous, if it's the superfluous, or if it's the repetitive, you listen to them because the greatest gift you can give them is your time. Now, the problem with giving your time to one grandchild is the other grandchild's going to want equal. So if you look at one drawing, you're going to look at the other drawing. If you tickle this one, you got to tickle the other one. If you show this one a magic trick, you got to show the other one a magic trick. So if you're listening to Brother's Report about the country he's studying, you're going to have to listen to the sister's report about the country she's studying. Now, they're a year and 16 days apart, so they're in the same grade at school. They're not in the same class, but in the same grade. And so Gunner is telling me about the country of Belgium. And I finally asked him, well, what does the country of Belgium export? And, and I knew what it was because it's chocolate. And other than hunting, fishing, and baseball, this young man loves chocolate. So those little eyes lit up, and he began to tell me about Belgium chocolate. We're rowing pipes in. Papa Jonesy, the country that I'm studying is Brazil. And that caught me off guard. I don't know why a kindergartner studies the the country of Brazil, but I said, Brazil, that's where Papa Jonesy's martial art comes from. The hobby that I do in martial arts is from the country of Brazil. And little Rowan said, well, what do they export? And I said, putting fools to sleep. 
you do not know the joyous fantasy that is in my mind of seeing this little blonde-haired girl stand in front of a bunch of wide-eyed kindergartners and say, today, my report is about the country of Brazil. And what they export is putting fools to sleep. But alas, her mother and her grandmother intervened, and this line did not make it into her report. And by the way, if you tell your granddaughter that her country's export is putting fools to sleep, her mother will call you, and she will say disparaging things about your grandparenting style. (laughs) I I got interested in Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the early 90s. It had to be after 93 because the UFC won was November 11, 1993. And so sometime within the latter part of 93 or the early part of 94, I got introduced to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I've always been interested in uh, self-defense. I goofed around with some catch wrestling, and I took some lessons from a guy who was a bodyguard for the rock band Crocus. I think he taught Chinese Kempo. I played around with Aikido. But in those early 90s, a young man named John Jenkins came to my house and gave me a demonstration of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And he'd said he'd only been in the class for two months. And everything that I thought I knew about grappling or self-defense went out the window when I got exposed to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I started visiting. I was never an actual member of, of the club. I was never actually a paying member at the gym. But it was a gym that was owned by Johnny Lee Smith, Triad Martial Arts. And, and, and Johnny Lee Smith and Chuck Talley and Roger Renfro and Mike Brown and, and John Jenkins, those guys If I showed up at a gym and and wanted to work out or wanted to wrestle or whatever, they always treated me with incredible kindness. And although I was a ronin, that's a a samurai without a master, although I didn't belong to their gym, they they always gave me access to it. Uh, The the gym at Triad, I think, is now run and managed by a young man named Daniel O'Brien. And Johnny Lee uh, teaches a a class of consulting for defensive tactics to, to law enforcement officers. I left traditional Brazilian jiu-jitsu and started doing the no-gi jiu-jitsu, a version of Brazilian jiu-jitsu known as 10th Planet. Uh, My teacher is Brandon McGatherin. Uh, He got his black belt from Eddie Bravo, and Eddie Bravo uh, got his black belt from Jean-Jacques Machado, who is connected to the traditional uh, Brazilian or Gracie jiu-jitsu stuff. As my jiu-jitsu journey has, has progressed, I've gone from you know, just working out with, with guys that I knew and, and practicing in my own garage to being involved with, with the police department. Uh, we were working on uh, defensive tactics or officer survival one night. It was SWAT week at the academy, and we were doing these uh, close force encounters with the cadets. And this was way back in the old days when SWAT was called the SR team, the special response team. And, and doing one of these demonstrations, one of the cadets asked one of the, the guys, said, well, what would happen if a guy got you in a full Nelson? And that's a specific wrestling move. And, and the, the officer said, well, I, I believe if you got that deep in the woods, you'd be in trouble because you can't get out of a full Nelson. Well, I don't know if the cadets went to supper or if they were on a run or something, but in private, I, I told this police officer, I said, you know, I, I really think you can get out of a full Nelson. And so I was like, okay show me. And and so I showed him what I thought was a good escape from a full Nelson. And he said, well, you need to show that to the team. And uh, the thing about being short is that when people who aren't very observant look at you, they see short and short also equals small. 
Well, those are not the same things. Okay. And so I remember one of my dear friends uh, walked up behind me and, and put the full Nelson on me. And he says, Hey, when you put your hands on the preacher, you better mean it. It's like grabbing a stump. And I started kind of introducing what little bit about grappling I knew to the police and informally, but several of the guys in, in the department were interested in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And so I got invited to come to this kind of this informal grassroots movement where we would, would wrestle with each other and, and practice defending ourselves. And, and this was nothing, you know, I mean, this was nothing official. This was a grassroots movement. We met upstairs in a cheerleading center or a gymnastic center on a carpeted floor. We didn't have any mats. We didn't know anything about time limits. I remember Larry Shields and I rolled one time for 45 minutes, and we finally both just quit. Well, as things have progressed, and our department has studied uh, PPCT, pressure point and control tactics. They've studied a thing called Archon. They've studied uh, SSGT. Well, well, as it turns out, our department has now officially adopted Gracie survival tactics. It's this original group of guys who did the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and they've created a curriculum that is that is police officer specific. Now, a lot of cool things have happened in my life, and then people have been very benevolent to me. People have been kind to me. I've been granted opportunities and chances to do things, but one of the top opportunities I've ever had was I've been allowed to be an instructor in this program. Now, in, in, in the private world, in uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, in, in 10th Planet, uh, I, have, I have a purple belt. Uh, I'm, I'm not a competitive level purple belt, but I do have a purple belt. And, and because I've been working with the cops through the years kind of unofficially, the, the guys at the academy staff allowed me to attend this instructor development program. And, and in fact, uh, I got to go not only to level one, but to level two, and, and I get to teach this class. So, so I teach this class for the department as a civilian. I give some private lessons in my garage. I do a seminar based on a book called Grappling with Life, Controlling Your Inside Space. And, and I teach that at, in boardrooms. I've done it for a real estate group. I do it uh, for people who do uh, house visits that are social workers. Uh, I've been scheduled to, to do this for several different municipalities and entities. And, and so I get to teach these classes. And, and, and then I also get to go and roll and spar uh, with the, the class in, in Decatur or, or 10th Planet Huntsville. And just recently, I was in one of those classes. And one of my friends said, hey, Lonnie, I need to talk to you, man. I said, okay. And, and, and so we, we step away from the mat. We, we actually stepped outside. And this young man said, Lonnie, there's been some complaints that you're being too rough. Now, I, I don't know. I, I know you don't know what that means. But but, but here's what it means. It, it's devastating and it's humiliating. Because even though the, 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 the real thing that separates Brazilian jiu-jitsu from everything else is that when you practice this art, you get to test it in real time against real opponents. You don't wear headgear. You don't wear pads. You don't pull your punches. You do this in real time against real people who are really resisting. But one of the sacred understandings in Brazilian jiu-jitsu is you don't hurt your partner. You don't hurt your training partner. If you know you've got a submission lock, you don't have to finish it. You can, we, we call it play and catch and release. And, and the idea 
that, that I'm in a group in a room either with civilians or with cops and somebody thinks I'm violating the understanding of safety. Oh, that, that humiliated me. It devastated me. It embarrassed me. You know, we, we teach in the CIT class, the crisis intervention training. We say if you encounter somebody who is in a highly charged emotional state or in a psychotic episode and they're frightened, people who are afraid are unpredictable and people who are unpredictable are dangerous. And, and then we make the illusion. We say, you know, you realize if you get out here in our defensive tactics room, the most dangerous person on that mat is not a black belt, but a white belt. Why? Because white belts are unpredictable. They do crazy, stupid, unpredictable things, and they can hurt you. Now, I've been hurt doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I've had guys, you know, get behind me and, and, and try to do a, a choke from the back, and I defend it with my chin. And since they couldn't sink their arm underneath my neck to get a proper blood choke, they've, you know, they've crushed my face. And I thought one guy was going to break my bridge out of the front of my mouth. Uh, one night I thought a guy was, was going to uh, pop my jaw out, out of circuit uh, or, or out of socket. You know, I've had people tweak my arms. I've, I've had people injure my knees. I've, I've gone home with bruises and bumps. But nobody doing it intentionally. But but as a guy who has kind of this this title, I'm an instructor. Man, I'm supposed to be safe. And and, and so I'm thinking, man, can this be true? And, and and I tried to review what I'd done and and how I'd behaved in some of my recent classes. And then I'm driving in the car and I'm listening to Rick and Bubba and, and Eddie Van Adler, Chris Adler, is talking to Greg. And I don't remember what they were talking about. I think they were talking about wrestling and grappling. And Greg said, well, you remember the time Lonnie was in here? And, and Adler goes, oh, yeah, I, I was wrestling with Lonnie. And uh, he kept putting me in wrist locks. And then after I would tap, he kept holding the wrist lock. And so here I am, a, a thing that happened several years ago with this kid named, named Chris Adler. I was a guest on his podcast, and he's telling the world, he's telling the audience of Rick and Bubba that I was mean to him on the jiu-jitsu mat. Now, for the record, uh, I was on Adler TV episode number 34, and uh, Chris was so gracious to have me on his podcast and i've been on lots of podcasts i enjoy being on the ben and travis podcast and in the ask lonnie jones anything episodes i've enjoyed being on matt scaff's podcast the uh, grappling discourse and, and i've enjoyed all those but one of my most enjoyable experiences with podcasting was being a guest on on chris adler's show adler tv in this episode number 34 now you can find it on youtube and you can look it up and, and there's it's actually the only footage of me rolling. I think there there's no videotape. There's there's no cell phone recordings. That may be the only live action evidence of me rolling in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I'm wearing blue jeans. I'm in my socks, and I've got a CYC T-shirt on. And for the record, I caught Adler in a straight ankle lock. I caught Adler in a guillotine. There's a, a, a setup for an arm bar that the camera cuts away from, and then I caught him in a heel hook. For the record, I did not do any wrist locks to Chris Adler, but his his perception was, hey, this old dude came in here and hurt me. And they got me thinking, what happens when you're in an environment? What happens when you're someplace and the people who are supposed to keep you safe hurt you? 
Now, these people who are supposed to be keeping you safe, whether they're friends, whether they're mentors, whether they're bosses, whether they're uh, spouses, whether they're boyfriends or girlfriends or just friends, what do we do when people who we're supposed to be safe with end up hurting us? Well, as I mentioned, I wrote a little book about that called Grappling with Life, Controlling Your Inside Space. And I'd like to talk about three things that come from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that help us to stay safe when people intentionally or unintentionally hurt us. Number one, whoever manages the distance manages the damage. I can't get hurt by you if I can control the distance between us. If you're not close enough to touch me, you're not close enough to grab me, if you're not close enough to punch me or kick me, we don't have a problem because I've managed that distance. Now, if you get close enough to grab me, and I can manage that distance by framing you out. I can use my elbows. I can use my knees. And I'm not talking about throwing punches or kicks. I'm talking about setting these boundaries between us so that you can't put all your weight on me and you can't gain control of things. If, if I can use my limbs to create space, whoever wins the framing competition will win the encounter because space equals escape. When I create space between us, when I, when I manage that distance, then I can turn my position, I can turn my body, and, and actually I can disengage. And so I can create greater distance by starting out with a little bit of distance. It's also true that if you get into my space, and if space equals escape, then the inverse is true, that contact equals control. If I can't set up the frames and get you away from me, then I'm going to absorb all the empty space between us. I'm going to take up all that real estate. I'm going to clinch you. And if I get you in a clinch, either from the top or the bottom, I am pinning you. I'm, I'm not allowing you to throw punches. I'm not allowing you to move your hips. I'm not allowing you to move your shoulders. I'm not allowing you to move your hands. And if you don't have enough space to throw an effective punch or effective kick, or you can't rotate your hips, then I can clinch with you and control the space that way. <laughs> You've heard the phrase, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Well, in this case, it's absolutely true. If you're attacking me and I can absorb all the real estate between us and get you in a clinch, you can't hurt me. So, so principle number one is whoever manages the distance manages the damage. Principle number two is whoever controls the pace controls the encounter. Now, if you're in a situation and, and, and somebody puts their hands on you and, and you're trying to wrestle, you're trying to fight, and you can slow things down. What we teach in Gracie Survival Tactics is a 100-second rule that if you make a guy work to hold you down for 100 seconds or you make a guy that you're trying to arrest have to wrestle against you and he can't change his position and you just let him burn all his energy for about 100 seconds, you'll be surprised how quickly people get tired who aren't trained. You'll be surprised how quickly people run out of gas. And, and so you can use your skill and you can use your ability to clinch or control and, and you can control that pace because if you can control that pace and, and, and cook them, that's what we call it, is cooking them. You know, you, you take a guy down, you get him on the ground, or a guy gets you on the ground, and, and you clinch with him, and you make him work really, really, really hard for that magical 100 seconds. He's going to run out of energy. His lactic acid is going to affect him. You're going to watch his mouth open. He's going to breathe out of his mouth, and he's going to be fatigued. In, in the same way, if, if I want to control the pace, sometimes I can speed the thing up. Now, if you notice people with uh, personality disorders, people who struggle with uh, appropriate boundaries and friendships, and predators 
often use the technique of, of making an encounter go too fast. You know, you're a young lady and you're walking out of the mall and you've got your hands full of bags and a random stranger walks up and says, hey, let me help you carry that to your car. You recognize this may be a creeper and you politely decline. You say, no, I'm okay. I've got it. And then he says, we can't have you carry all that stuff by yourself, can we? Now, all of a sudden, he's, in, he's created this invisible partnership. You've gone from, I'm a stranger, you're a stranger, to now we are a couple, we are a pair, we are involved. And, and those predators violate those boundaries, and they rapidly increase the, hey, we're strangers, to now we're a we. Well, people who are unhealthy often make friendships closer than they need to be too rapidly. You go from, I'm being nice to somebody, to you're my best friend. You go from somebody that you flirted with to, hey, now we're dating. If you allow somebody to control that pacing and speed it up too fast, you've given them the ability to absorb you into their craziness and possibly even hurt you. So whoever controls the, whoever manages the distance, manages the damage, and whoever manages the pace also manages the encounter. And then the last thing is, I'm not going to let you control things that don't belong to you. In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if I control your wrist, if I control your ankle or your knee or your elbow, once I gain control of that limb, in a lot of places, if you isolate a limb, you, you've got control of it. And we, we often teach the students that things that live by themselves die. You don't want to be out here in isolation. But if I can control your wrist or your elbow, then once I control that limb, I have a lever and I can use that lever, I can use that leverage to manipulate you. I can make you turn or make you roll or make you pull in or make you pull out, whatever. And if I can use that limb to control you and manipulate you, eventually I can use that same limb and I can cripple you. And one of my survival techniques is I'm, I'm going to be careful what I allow you control that doesn't belong to you. Now, you may not be wanting to intentionally harm me, but it doesn't matter. If I let you control my happiness, I let you control my mood, if I let you control my self-esteem, if I let you control my self-confidence, if I let you control my competence, if I let you control my spirituality, if I give away the autonomy that I have and let you control those things, and what will happen is, is yeah, you not only can control me, but you can manipulate me, and eventually you can put me in a place where I feel crippled. Managing your inside space, protecting yourself from people who you're supposed to be safe with is really hard sometimes. And sometimes it means managing the pace and ending a relationship very rapidly. There's some red flags you should notice. Read Gavin DeBecker's book, The Gift of Fear. Also read Joe Navarro's book about dangerous personalities and look at those scales he uses to see about the level of toxicity. When we get involved with people, and, and, and sometimes it's about being self-aware, self-absorbed, like we talked about in, in the last episode. There are some people, and, and they are toxic, and they hurt others, and, and they're not aware of it. I, I wasn't aware that some people thought I was being too rough in the gym, and I, and I had to reevaluate had to start opening some of my sessions with, with some people and, and say, look, 
if somebody in this room is working too hard or working too fast, you it is within your rights to say, hey, we need to stop. We need to slow down. We need to change this or we need to modify because you're the person who gets to be 100% in charge of your own safety. And just because I don't know or just because I don't think it hurts doesn't mean it doesn't hurt you. And if you set those boundaries and you set those limits and, and there are people in your life who don't honor those boundaries, then those people shouldn't be on the mats. Or at least you shouldn't be on the mats with them. And if you end up being on the mat with them at work or at church or at home or at school, it's not only your right, but it's your responsibility to say something and keep them outside of your inside space. The mission of Heritage Christian University is simple. They aim to advance the churches of Christ by equipping servants through undergraduate and graduate programs. Heritage Christian University produces effective communicators of the gospel, focusing on evangelism and a commitment to scripture. Heritage Christian University is accredited by the Association for Biblical Higher Education and offers the following degrees. Associate of Arts in Biblical Studies, Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies, Master of Arts, Master of Ministry, and Master of Divinity. Since 1968, Heritage Christian University, formerly International Bible College, has offered affordable degrees in Biblical Studies, allowing graduates to thrive in their ministries without the burden of loan debt after graduation. For more information about Heritage Christian University, visit www.hcu.edu, that's three W's and a dot, hcu.edu. Heritage Christian University is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. Using the tool of shortwave radio, World Christian Broadcasting literally covers the world every day with the gospel. They use two large curtain antennas. One is located in Anchor Point, Alaska, and the other in Madagascar. They send out messages that are recorded at their international home in Franklin, Tennessee. They make available 40 hours of broadcast every day. The broadcasts are made in English, Chinese, Russian, Spanish, Portuguese, Korean, English for Africa, and Arabic. They would love for your group to visit them. You can bring your ladies group, your youth group, or your men's group. Just give them a call at 615-371-8707, 615-371-8707, or you can go to three W's and a dot, worldchristian.org, find the donate here button, and make a financial contribution to support this work that literally covers the world every day with the gospel. World Christian Broadcasting, in cooperation with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure.